The Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to the growth of ideas, concepts, and outlooks that support recovery and recovering communities. I'm Gerald Watt, your host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also founder and executive director of Salt Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery support specialist, an entrepreneur, a father, and after a long list of careers, I found my calling in helping others to find recovery. I work with many, many people and several addiction-related advisory boards every day, and my core belief is that people must make an effort to change their lives for recovery. There's a saying, no pain, no gain, and it's exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant life changes without enduring, accepting, often welcoming discomfort. It isn't the change that hurts, it's our resistance to it. Today, my guest is Corin Vanderweel, Program Manager for Tasks Center for Health and Justice, uh, TASC with a C, T-A-S-C. Um, we're going to be talking about some new police and, and deflection and general programs that are, are coming to the state. Um, Corin and I met last year. She participated in our recovery conference, RecoverCon. Um, we've had some conversations in between about how our organizations are going to try to work together. And uh, so welcome, Corin. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me all about Corin. Um, so like you said, I'm a program manager with Task Center for Health and Justice. Um, in my job, I am working um, on the Illinois Project. I am working with the Illinois State Police, um, Department of Human Services, and ICJA, which is the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority. Um, I'm working with different communities, helping them set up, uh, develop, and implement pre-arrest diversion and deflection programs. Um, our primary law enforcement contact is, starts out with the Illinois State Police, but all of their law enforcement in the areas that we work in are always welcome to join. And we also do a welcome other first responders, whether that be fire or EMS, to join. Um, so that's the big project that I am working on. Um, before this, I was a case manager for specialty courts in Michigan. Um, I worked with different, a lot of different courts. I worked primarily with the mental health court, but I also did cover uh, drug court, sobriety court, and family reunification court. I'm also a former police officer. I worked out in Roswell, New Mexico um, for a couple of years. So I also do have law enforcement experience under my belt. I didn't know you were a police officer. Yep. What? Yep. Two and a half years, Roswell, New Mexico. No, I didn't see any aliens. <laughs> so, 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 you know, now that I, like, I've stood next to you and, and, you know, I, that had to be like super intimidating to be a police officer out there. I mean, you're not, you're not a big person. That, that's awesome. I'm, I'm like so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. You have to have a lot of, con go in with a lot of confidence and just uh, act like you know what you're doing and that you're bigger than them. So <laughs> like a bear, right? <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> Make them think you're bigger than them. So, so when I was, you know, I've never shied away from who I am when I was, you know, in the early 90s just you know raging in my addiction i ended up in in jail for a while and task was an organization that when you got out of jail would help 
you try to get work and maybe, you know, get some vocational education if you needed it or some counseling. Um, I don't think I really took advantage of it at that time, other than maybe to go see what they had to offer. But, you know, can you explain who TASC is and, and what the Center for Health and Justice? Yeah, so I'll start with TASC. TASC is the parent company. And like you said, um, they work with people that have um, head contact in the criminal justice system, whether they've just been arrested. Um, a lot of times the case managers are able to go, have been able to go and see them while they've been in jail yet. If, if they get them early, um, they might be on probation parole or they might be re-entering into the community. Um, they help provide specialized case management and treatment services. So like you said, they help them get jobs. They get them connected to treatment. Um, and also help them with other, you know, things that they might need um, in life to help them get back on the right foot and to integrate into, back into society. So um, is, that, is that all through the state or is it? Yeah, that's all. They We have um, offices all through the state. So we cover all the different counties throughout the state. Um, they're not, there's not like a task office in every county, but it, they cover like general region areas. Yeah. So. I thought at one time TAS stood for treatment alternatives to street crime, but. Actually, it used to. Um, the name has changed. So it's now treatment alternatives for safe communities. Okay. Um, but when it started out, it was treatment alternatives for street crimes. That, that, I guess I just dated myself. <laughs> <laughs> I got a business card from the original guy. Well, you the... still have his business card. That's impressive. <laughs> well, that's probably one of the only things I have. Um, so then what is the Center for Health and Justice? So the Center for Health and Justice is a separate arm of TASC. Um, so we're, like I said, we're under the parent company of TASC. Um, we do a lot of research and technical assistance. Um, so what technical assistance is, is mainly just a fancy word for um, consulting. We have a pretty large grant from the Bureau of Justice Administration through their COSUP, through their COSUP project the Comprehensive Opioid Stimulant and Substance Use Program. Um, we are the National Deflection TA Center. Um, so a lot of our CHJ staff works with um, different programs all over the country that have deflection programs um, and pre-rest diversion programs. So that's what we specialize in. We also just got another grant through this BJA to be um, a technical assistance provider for re-entry programs as well. So we'll be staffing up even more and growing even more. So that'll be very fun to see in the future, how, how we grow and how much more we're gonna be working in the justice system. So before we get much deeper in, because I know this is something that I already work in, so I may just be, you know, jargoning people. Tell us what deflection is and 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 what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of people know usually what diversion is, um, and that's after people have entered into the criminal justice system. It's ways to get them out of the criminal justice system. And deflection is very similar to that. It's just before people are getting arrested. So when law enforcement or other first responders are out doing their daily jobs and they run across people that um, need help, a lot of times law enforcement and first responders go out and see people an average of seven to nine times before like either an arrest happens or they, they're taken to the emergency room. 
Um, so when there's no rest to be made and there's nowhere to take them and there's nothing for first responders to do, instead of just walking away from the scene and walking away from that person and saying, you know, see ya, I'll see you in a couple of weeks when I get called back out to you again. Um, with deflection, they can make a referral for Illinois. It's to what's called a deflection specialist. And that deflection specialist makes contact with this person and helps get them connected to any kind of services that they need. Might be something simple as a hot meal, or it might be even long-term treatment. Um, so it's in hopes that we're preventing them from having further contact with first responders and law enforcement and preventing them from entering the criminal justice system. So, so is this person a social worker or? Um, for, it can be just a peer. A lot of times they're just peers um, or similar to just peers. They don't have to be a social worker. Some communities do actually have social workers that are helping with the deflection and helping get them connected and are able to provide treatment, but it doesn't have to be. It can be just someone with a high school diploma or a GED or someone who's just interested in helping the community out. Are you familiar with the program that was started here in Dixon, the Safe Passage program and Yep. The work that PRISM, Danny Langloss, Allison White, all those guys did. Yeah, that was one of the first deflection programs here in the state of Illinois. Um, it was a self-referral pathway that um, people were able to like walk into the police departments and say that they wanted help and they were able to get connected to treatment there in that way. So how is how is that program impacted the program that you all are creating? Or is is it a direct derivative or you know? How, how do they relate? So in deflection, we call them different pathways. So it's different ways to get to treatment. And the self-referral program is just one, one pathway. And when we get into communities that already have deflection programs, um, when we're working with them, we just work alongside them and collaborate with them and help to either expand on their initiative and enhance the things that they do. Um, or find gaps in their in their areas that they may not have. So with the safe passage, it's a self-referral. So they the people have to walk into the police department. Um, with some of the other initiatives that are going up around Illinois, it's when officers come in contact with them that they can make that referral. So it's just a different way to get connected to the services. Um, other areas where they only work with, some of the programs only work with those with strictly substance use disorders. Um, some of these, some of our programs that are coming up are able to work with either mental health. Um, Springfield has a program that's working with the unhoused and victims of that are unhoused as well. Um, our East St. Louis site works with um, victims of violent crime. So these sites can work with different um, either on different problems or challenges that are facing the community and with different populations as well. So we presently work with uh, people that are substance use related. And, and oftentimes, you know, we get stymied, so to speak, by some of these other issues, such as homelessness, such as domestic violence, such as, um, you know, hunger. Yep. And so am I hearing correct that then we would be able to partner or or to to refer that person over to task 
and say, okay, this isn't a substance use issue, but there is an issue. Yep. So we can we can work with people on more than just their substance use issue. It's not just about getting them connected to treatment. It's about getting them connected to other services as well. Because if somebody is um, going has a substance use issue and they're homeless, their first thought isn't going to be thinking about how do I get or thinking about treatment. Their first thought is I I'm couch jumping right now and I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. So if you send me to treatment. DeKalb, I might be in Rock Island the next day, and I don't know how I'm going to get to the treatment center. So they need some place to some place that's they're going to be able to stay that's um, a little bit more stable for them, so that they can then focus on treatment and then for the next time. So we understand that getting people connected to more than just treatment helps them become stable and helps them in their recovery. My guest is Corin Vanderweel, Program Manager for TAS Center for Health and Justice. So you're, you're, you're bringing something up that I've heard from counselors and preachers. You know, I can't convert a hungry body, right? The guy's hungry. He's going to deal with that first. Yep. You know, and, and we see it all the time when we're trying to talk to people about going into treatment or, or looking for different paths. Because we, I'm sorry to say that we at one point became the, you know, transport me to treatment with no questions asked people. And we've kind of changed that. Now we, we recognize there are different levels. So some people need treatment. Some people need intensive outpatient. Some people need medically assisted. Some people just need to go to a, a meeting. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we find that issues such as I don't have childcare or I don't have somebody to store my belongings while I'm gone or I'll lose my job and those sort of things hinder people being able to freely make the decision to release and go away to get the help they need. So I absolutely understand what you're, what you're talking about. How effective has, has this program been? You said that it's up and running in some other parts of the state. Yeah, um, so some of our other sites have definitely had a lot of referrals. And um, depending on your definition of effective um, or how um, people always like to ask, um, <clears throat> like how successful they've been. It all depends on one's you know, definition of success. Um, the other sites have definitely been getting referrals and have been able to get people connected to different services and different treatments. Um, the data is still pretty young or pretty early on yet, um, especially with three of our major sites that just launched about a month ago. So our data for the Illinois sites is still kind of being looked at. And we do have the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority that has been collecting our data and they do kind of address that. Um, and we're just kind of working out kinks right now. But um, for some of the other sites, like a way out program that's in Lake County, Illinois, there was Lake County. Lake County, yep. Lake County oh. has a program that it's similar to a safe passage. It's a self-referral site. It's called a way out. Mm -hmm. um, they there was a study done on that, and it showed that since the program has been up and going, there has been a decrease in fatal drug and opioid overdoses and a decrease in property crime arrests. 
Um, so it's showing that there are not, it's not only helping with crime, but also fatal drug and opioid overdoses. Um, <clears throat> the Hero Help program, which is actually in Newcastle, Delaware, um, they have a really good program as well. And they did an analysis and did like a cost saving analysis and found that by referring people to treatment um, and getting them connected to services, and not having to go to repeat calls with them would save about $21.5 million a month. Um, yeah. So that's a huge cost savings for a community um, with these programs. So those are, I know it's not Illinois related, but those are other deflection programs around the country that have shown data that it has been, you know, whether effective or successful. That's part of the data though. I mean, you know, Absolutely. it, it, it unfortunately what we're dealing with is not a local issue no it's not you know, it, it, this is this is everywhere and and so you know solutions from elsewhere you know definitely help i know from our experience um that the deflection program and again i, I want to i want to you know differentiate deflection from diversion diversion is i've been arrested yes. And the state's attorney says, hey, if you do these things, we'll expunge it off your record or we won't put you to jail or we'll do something else. Deflection is we catch you before the charge is, is made. Yes. Yep. All right. So we have, seen, you enter. Yep. Right, we have seen deflection program become the front door to our services. Yep. Right. When I first started our organization, I kind of misthought that people with two, three years of sobriety are gonna to wanna to get together and hang out and talk. And that's not really been the case. What we have found is the hundreds of people that we have met through the expansion of the deflection program have become the basis for our community. And 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 it's 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 tremendous, but that is where they are. And I believe in the last year and a half, two years, we have at least had 350 uh, encounters. Now, some of those were the same person multiple times, but yeah, but yeah it, it, there's a need. Yeah, and with deflection, there, there is that chance that you are gonna see the same people multiple times because recovery isn't a straight journey. People may not be ready for um, treatment or help right at that time, and they may return to use at some point and then want to come back into treatment again. So there's always going to be repeat encounters. But just because we see them, see people five, six times doesn't mean that the seventh time that they're going to go into long, that they don't have the opportunity, shouldn't have the opportunity to go into long-term treatment. Um, so so how, do we, how do we build in the compassion for that into your system? Um, so we do training with law enforcement as well to make sure that law enforcement understands the science of addiction and understands the recovery process, that it isn't a smooth road to recovery. Um, and a lot of times our deflection specialists will go out to um, the different police departments that are in their area that they serve and make sure that they build a good rapport with them to remind them that, hey, they are there and to make sure that they're utilizing the deflection program and kind of encourage reminding them that, you know, we may have 
people that come back around a couple different times, but then also remind them of the success stories of those that were referred and that have become successful and never did have contact with law enforcement again. So, so you, you, we're going to get to, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of, of next steps for our, our local community, but I, I want to just kind of build it out for people a little bit better. So you've got five counties you're looking at coming into. Yes. Lee, Whiteside, Ogle, DeKalb, Carroll. Yes. And there will be a specialist assigned to that. And like, where does that specialist come from? What kind of training do they have? Who are they? What does their day look like? Yeah. Um, so actually, it will be a team of five people. There will be a supervisor, a case manager, and three deflection specialists. Um, we get people that are local to the community, so they have to have lived in that community or be from the community and very familiar with the community. Um, they are generally, if they, we have a task office nearby, they might be housed there. Um, if not, we try to find kind of like a central area for the deflection specialist to be housed in. Um, I, so with our new sites coming up, we are always looking for new locations for offices to house them in. Their daily, um, their daily jobs, it's a lot of times responding to referrals, making trying to connect to those referrals. Um, so people sometimes are not answering, when they get a referral, they, the people may not answer their phone right away, or they may not have a phone number and the deflection specialist will have to go try and locate those people. Um, and they try to re engage them a couple different times. It's multiple times that they try to engage them and get connected to them. Um, <clears throat> so they're doing a lot of calls. They're meeting with the referrals. They're getting them connected to different services, trying to find different services that they may want to be, go to and that they may need. Um, they're sending people all over to different um, different service providers as well, all over the state. We found that some people have gone to a lot of service local service providers and want to try service providers outside of their local area. Um, or if they are from different areas of the state, may want to go back to um, their original area to get connected to services as well. Um, they do help people with food. They might be going out and getting somebody a hot meal for the day. And that's to build rapport with them to make sure that they know that when something's going on and they need help, that that deflection specialist is a trusted person that they can turn to for help, whether it be food, housing, childcare, whatever it might be to help them out. Um, so that they know that they have someone there to trust and help walk them through getting connected to services. Is this person in recovery? Some of them are. We have some of them that are in recovery. Um, others are former law enforcement officers. Um, we've had some of those. We've had um, other people that are just local to the community that are interested in kind of either deflection or um, the social work area. So we, it's a variety of different people that we have as deflection specialists. Have you, uh, I think I may ask you this. Have you seen the movie Tipping the Pain Scale? No, I have not. You got you to check it out. Greg okay. Williams, uh, producer. Um, but in Tipping the Pain Scale, they, they talk about a 
initiative, I believe it was in Boston. I want to say Boston, um, where this police officer who was a community outreach officer would go to this uh, tent where homeless people could come and take a shower and do the different things. And he was cutting hair, right? And he would, you know, cut the guys. He, he had learned how to be a barber and he was cutting hair for him. And his whole point was exactly what you said, right? I'm cutting their hair to gain trust, to become, you know, the guy they know, even though he's in uniform, right? They lost the sight of him as the barber and uh, of the police officer and saw him as the barber yeah. and how that opened up doors. So I definitely understand when you say building rapport. Um, so this, this team is now responsible for these five counties. Yes. And they're getting calls from different and assorted people. Where does the money come from? What, you know, you said they're buying them a meal. Who bought that meal? It, yes. You know. So we're funded by the Department of Human Services through the cannabis tax. And um, so they're funding my side of things. So the Center for Health and Justice, where we're providing the technical assistance of helping the communities develop and implement the deflection initiatives. So we come in beforehand. I like to say we kind of like help plan the party and then afterwards, the deflection team comes in. They're they're kind of the party themselves. Um, DHS is funding them as well. So they're funded through the cannabis tax. Um, and the money comes from all of that. We've also found collaborations with other community organizations where a lot of times we get, in, get donations for different things. Um, some of our Southern Illinois sites have gotten donations for like Free, like either free toiletries or something from different pantries or whatever it might be. Um, and just working with the community and really finding how to enhance everybody's experience and make sure that everybody's getting what they need, whether we have the funding or not. Um, because once everybody collaborates in the community and we're breaking down silos and working together, um, it's usually we usually find ways to help either enhance services and increase them um, and really make the most of what we have available. Okay, so so again, my, my guest, uh, Corin Vanderweel with Center for Health and Justice. So we just announced that in partnership with our Ross Councils, we'll be uh, hosting a town hall discussion in DeKalb on January 23rd about your deflection program. And, and I think a lot of times people think town hall is where you bring your pitchforks and torches and you say, <laughs> we don't want this. Um, and that's not what this is. This is coming. No. Yes. So it's either coming with you or without you, but it's coming. Yes. So what is that meeting about? And then what happens after the meeting? Yeah. So that meeting is what we call it's a kickoff. Um, we come in, we're just kind of letting the community know what deflection is. So I go into a much deeper detail of what deflection is um, and tell them about uh, where the funding comes from, who we're, our collaborating partners are, and what the process will look like. Because there is a, a pretty good amount of process between this. Um, it takes about 12 to 15 months and for my end, um, all the way 12 to 15 months to be able to set it up from kind of start all the way until we launch. Um, 
After the kickoff, we go into what's called action planning. And that is where we start talking about the detail, deeper details of what this deflection initiative will look like. Um, the population that we'll be serving, the pathway that we'll be using, um, what outcomes we hope to, to achieve with this initiative. Um, and during that time, the community is welcome to come and join. Um, since I'm coming in as what would be an outsider, uh, we know that community members are the people that are their, the experts of their community. They know what's going on. They know what the needs are. They know what the problems and challenges are. And we want their voice at the table, um, whether it be service providers, law enforcement, faith groups, people with lived, lived experience, whatever it may be. We want them all at the table to help join us and help develop this initiative. So have you have you have you worked with like Ross councils and that before? Yeah, absolutely. We work with um uh, one of our the Madison County Ross Council. We've had a lot of work. We've done a lot of work with them. Elise Schoen, she's been wonderful to work with. Um, and then we're also working with ones um in what's called our what was our East Central. So their counties all around Champaign County. Um, they're the Dart team now. Uh, the Our House is the Rosk, the one who does the Ross councils and stuff. Um, and we've been working with them as well. They're, the Ross councils have been absolutely wonderful to work with because you guys already know a lot of service providers in the area and already know what's going on in the area um, and know your regions. So working with you has been, working with the Rosks has been absolutely wonderful. So I guess that's, that's you know, the big, the, the, the big question, the elephant in the room is, you know, a lot of this is already going on. Why turn it over to this outside group? Why not just, you know, lift up what's already there? Yeah, so we've had that with a lot of different ROSCs um, where we come in and people are like, well, how is this different than a ROSC? We're already communicating, collaborating. Um, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to definitely make sure we get that connection to law enforcement as well, so that we're bringing law enforcement in, that they're able to use that and other first responders, law enforcement, it can be fire, EMS, um, <clears throat> trying to bring them in as well and make sure that we're not just coming in a room and talking, we're, act we're doing actionable steps. We're getting more people that aren't, inv aren't involved in the ROSCs invited. Um, we have school districts in some areas that are um, part of the initiatives. We have, we've had state's attorneys that have been interested in like joining and helping out judges and just making sure that we have a large, that we're connecting everybody and that we're really focused on making sure that the community members are the ones benefiting the most of this, that they're the ones that when they come in contact with first responders, that they're getting the help that they need. Because the ROSCs aren't going to have necessarily that person, that deflection specialist, that person who's going to be doing the relentless engagement, who's going to be checking in on this person on a weekly, if not more basis, saying, hey, what services do you need to get connected to? Can I help you get connected to food, housing, treatment? Um, and then going back and talking to the law enforcement officers and saying, hey, do you remember that person that you referred to me? They're, you know, in treatment, they've got a job, they're doing well. Um, so it's kind of that middle person in between 
law enforcement and all the treatment providers, the Ross consoles, all of that, that can help kind of bridge the gap right now that we have. So you're, you're basically alluding to the, the uh, end or, or not alluding me, you're, you're referring to the end of it where the person is actively engaged with this, this specialist and on a weekly basis are seeing it. And you used a term that, that I want to make sure that people hear, and that is relentless engagement. Is that correct? Yes, relentless engagement. That's what we call it. Um, okay. Relentlessly, yeah, relentlessly. Being, yeah, making sure that we relentlessly engage them because somebody may not be ready for services or want to hear from the deflection specialist today, but maybe in three weeks when they call again and have engaged them, that person's ready, or they have been talking with the deflection specialist and they still don't trust them after three or four weeks, but they see that this person has been calling them and that's the only person in their life that's been calling them every week saying, hey, how are you? I just wanted to check in and make sure you're doing okay. Do you need anything? That relentless engagement is what's the key with deflection is making sure that people are getting that engagement and find someone that know that there's someone there that cares about them, knows that they're alive and knows that they need help and is willing and able to help them at any time. Um, so that's what's a big thing with our deflection specialists is that relentless engagement. So a given specialist, how many people are they working at one time? That all depends on um, how, for many. how long. And for how long. Uh, so for our East St. Louis site, it's been 60 to 90 days. Um, so that's the one site that we've actually had like a full amount of data for, um, but those are victims of violent crime. So it's a little different. Um, the deflection specialists can work with a participant because we call them participants because it's voluntary to participate in deflection. Um, deflection specialists might work with a participant for six months if they want to, maybe a year. It's all up to the participant as to how long they want to work with the deflection specialists. They'll work with the participant until they tell them, you know what, I'm good. Leave me alone. Please stop calling me. And so if that's only six weeks, cool. Awesome. We got six weeks to work with you. If it's a year, okay, we'll work with you for a year. You know, that, that's very similar to our model. Um, our coaches are, will work with people in recovery for as long as they can. Yeah. You know, um, goal, two years, but... We haven't seen it. Um, we find that this community that we're talking about, this uh, require, service requiring community, let's call it, in a lot of ways, it's very transactional. You know, and 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 once they stop getting value from the relationship, they disappear. You know, yeah. and so it, it's incumbent upon the the worker to to ask themselves, am I calling this person and adding value or am I calling this person because I got to fill out my, my report, you know, because when you're adding value, people will call you back when you're, when you're just filling out a report. Yeah. And since our, our deflecting specialists aren't service providers, so they don't have like the service hours. Cause I know service providers, like the difference between law enforcement and service providers Law enforcement doesn't have to like meet service hours and then service providers do. 
So with deflection specialists not having to reach those service hours, there's not that transactional of, oh, I have to make this call to reach my service hours. It's that true intention of reaching out to the person to see what do you like, hey, how can I help you? What do you need this week? Because maybe this week they found out they don't have their birth certificate and they need that to get a job. Um, <clears throat> so it's really just reaching out to them to see, yes, making sure that they are okay and not just to check a box. So do you consider the specialist to be uh, law enforcement or social work or peer support or service? What do you... what? If everybody had to jump into a bucket, which bucket do they jump in? Um, I would say they would probably jump more towards the either peer or social worker bucket um, because they have, some of them are, do have that lived experience where they can be considered that peer, but um, they're not providing like treatment or anything. Um, so they're not providing services. So they're kind of social workers, but kind of not. They're like a lower level social worker where they'll get you connected to all the services they possibly can, but um, they're not going to sit here and listen or give you, you know, mental health or substance use treatment. And and this is free? It's yes, free. this is free. We're not charging the person? Nope. Nope, this is free. Okay. So you were saying you had something going in East Sage. You, you said you got something in Southern Illinois, you know, in Lake County, where else are, is this program going? Um, so we have a site in Springfield. We have what's called our Southern Illinois CERT team, Community Engagement Response Team, um, that is like six or seven counties down in South Southern Illinois. And um, we have the Little Egypt Alternative Pathways, that's Jackson, Johnson, and Williamson counties. Um, Choices is eight counties all in and around Madison County. Um, I can't remember. I don't have my map up, so I yeah. don't remember all that. And then there's one, uh, six different counties around Champaign. Um, and then we're going to be starting working up in the Northwest region next. Um, so we're starting with the counties that you mentioned earlier, um, the counties, there's four or five counties north of that, and then four or five counties south of that region as well that we'll be working in and doing kickoffs in next year. Um, so we're working all over and trying to cover, the intent is to try and cover the entire state of Illinois with these deflection initiatives so that all of the law enforcement officers in the state of Illinois have the opportunity to do this referral in all of the communities, have the opportunity to have deflection come to their community um, because deflection programs can be very difficult uh, to set up and especially for a small community in order and in order to staff it, it can take a lot of money. So by being able to cover the state of Illinois, um, all of Illinois will have that amazing opportunity of deflection. So I think there's like 102 counties in Illinois. Yes. How many, how many are currently covered or will be covered, let's say within a year, do you think? Um, <clears throat> are we talking 80? No, we're not talking 80. No, um, I'd say probably close to about 50, I would sure. say. That'll so be about halfway there. Yeah, we're about halfway there. Okay. Yep. Is there any sunset time on this? Do we is this a um, thing or uh so as of right now, we've been doing about five sites a year. Um, and they're multi-county sites. So it's about between 
five and eight counties at a time, we're finding that making them smaller is much more beneficial. Um, so we're probably going to do about five, six counties at a time. So about 30 different, 30 to 35 different counties um, each year. But uh, as our, this is growing, we're adding more staff on the Illinois project. Right now I'm the primary person and the one doing most of the work. Uh, so we'll be more adding more staff here short, shortly. So hopefully we'll be able to increase the number of sites that we also build um, each year. How many years have you guys been doing this now? Uh, so in Illinois, for the Illinois project, uh, I believe East St. Louis started in 2020, where they started their first um, different meetings because they did everything all virtual. They had COVID year, so everything was fun on virtual. Um, so we've been slowly getting it up and going. COVID definitely put us back um, and kind of set us set us back in our pace. So uh, we've been doing it since 2021. Uh, last year was our first really big year where we put up a lot of sites in our in that year. Is is uh is it is it a situation where you're going where data is driving you or is it just we're going to the next convenient or the next door county? Uh, How are you it, picking your targets? Uh, so what has what the case has been so far is a lot of times we have Illinois State Police officers who have re reached out to me and said, hey, I heard about this from another trooper. I'm interested in this. I think my community could really benefit from it. Can we get it going in my area? Um, so that's what's that's how it's been driving um, so far is just by people have been reaching out to me. We've also had community members that have reached out to me that have said, like, hey, this is really cool. I heard my neighbor, the neighboring county has it. Can we start one in that area? So it's been by kind of whoever's been reaching out to me. Gotcha. gotcha. So again, I, I'm, we're going to wrap up in a couple minutes here. Let's talk about this, this town hall. Let's talk about what community members can do to help you as you move this thing forward. Um, what, what should people expect? What, what do you need? Um. So what I've, I know I'm going to send you the invite and everything. We'll be sending those invitations out shortly. Um, come attend. Uh, before that, spread the word. If I haven't um, sent somebody an out or an invite, it wasn't because I didn't like them. It was because I probably didn't have their contact information. I don't know. Again, I'm not the expert in your community, so I don't know everybody. I take um, several hours or several days of deep Google searches of finding different contact information for service providers, community members, those types of things. Um, so spreading the word is helpful, especially if you are uh, close with your local police department, um, making sure that they know about the initiative and that uh, they kind of at least attend the kickoff um, and when we launch so that they can be involved and know what's going on. Um, and then in the future, helping with the planning process bringing your insights and your special, your experience and your, your specialties in is a wonderful addition. So that, that meeting that we're going to do on the 23rd will be in person in DeKalb. Do you have the address? Um, it's from 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. at the DeKalb Mental Health Board meeting room. The address is 2500 North Annie Glidden Road. I probably pronounced that wrong. Um, I, think, I think you got it right, Annie Glidden Road. <laughs> Annie uh, Glidden Road, yep. So 
So that will be in person, but we'll also simulcast it online on Zoom yep. because our counties are huge and it's a lot of ground to cover. Yes. It's from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, and Corin will be going a lot further into to detail on this. Um, and then that will start this planning stage. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. And and you're you're open to comments from people and yeah and data and all that from different organizations. Yes. Okay. Well, hey, that that's awesome. That's awesome. So I just want to thank you for coming and, and doing this. I know we tried to get times together for a while and and um you know I really my expectation is that we find a way that voices of recovery can remain involved in this and that we don't push each other out of the way. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to partner with you to, to get this done. Um, what, what more do you need to let our community know before they come and, and, and get engaged? Um, I just, I always like seeing a lot of community members and meeting a lot of different community members. The more voices we have at the table, the better deflection initiative that we're able to set up and the more successful it is. So come and join us. Um, during action planning, I do bring snacks and food or and drinks and we try to have a good time. So it won't be snacks all just work. And drinks. Snacks <laughs> and, and being the, so thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah, to everybody at home, um, as you can see, there's help out there, right? That's the whole the whole thing that we keep putting out there is if you need help, don't suffer alone. Call your local police department, call your church, call your hospital, call us, call just go go down the hall of your apartment building saying, Hey, somebody help me. But do not sit in your home by yourself dealing with mental health or substance use issues. There is help out there. People do want to help. Um, I want to thank my media partners. I want to thank my production people. Um, basically, it's produced by me, so it's horrible. But then, um, you know, other people get involved in trying to get it out to the world, and that's really cool. So thank you to my staff. Thank you to the people at the radio stations. Thank you to the people at the podcast stations. Thank you to Slang Music Group for the music, all of our partners. Um, I just got some amazing, great uh, news from Mississippi Centers today that they've uh, picked a new CEO. Um, and so we're really excited for her. And we have a new social worker coming to work in uh, the Dixon Police Department. And we're excited about that. And Christmas is coming and New Year's. So we're just excited. <laughs> so I just want to say thanks to everybody. And as always, if you can't, Get help where you're at. Contact us. You can go to our website, svbor.org. You can call us, 779-707-0151. You can go to Voices of Recovery Office in Dixon, Rochelle Recovery Center in uh, Rochelle. You can go to any police station, or you can reach out to TASC, Center for Health and Justice. There's just so much help. So thanks, everybody. And uh, until next week, take care of yourselves.